0: Hello, free thinkers. I'm Mickey Z, and I welcome you to Post-Woke, the New York City-based podcast where we practice intellectual self-defense. So, mandates of all varieties are being lifted in my neck of the woods. For example, the New York statewide indoor mask mandate is a thing of the past. However, New Yorkers continue to mandate themselves. I see them wearing at least one mask when outside or even alone in their cars. One can only wonder how long some of these folks will stick it out with the face diapers. And then we also have the relaxing of the local meaning the New York City itself, vax mandates. As of March 7th, pure-blood New Yorkers will be allowed back into gyms, theaters, restaurants, etc. This is welcome news, but please don't get the impression that it has anything to do with science. Case in point, Kyrie Irving plays professional basketball for the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie Irving is defiantly unjabbed. So, he has been allowed to only play in Brooklyn Nets road games, assuming the town they're in also doesn't have a Vax mandate. However, the new loosening of the Big Apple mandates doesn't help Kyrie Irving. The shift only covers attendees at entertainment events and out-of-city performers. Since Kyrie is technically employed by a New York City company, the Brooklyn Nets, He still can't play basketball in New York City. He could, however, now purchase a ticket and be welcome to sit in a seat directly behind the Nets bench. But if he were to be in uniform and sit on the bench itself, he'd be in violation of a city law and subject to fine. After the game, Kyrie Irving could meet his teammates in a crowded New York City restaurant and party all night perfectly legal, but if he shows up to practice with them the next day, well, I suppose he's an anti-vax terrorist who just wants to kill grandmothers. Reminder, people, this is an example of the science and the medical establishment you have been programmed to trust and worship and submit to. Now, I could per- personally, I could care less about the NBA, National Basketball Association, but I do admire Kyrie's unwavering resistance, <clears throat> and thus I am rooting for him to return and thrive. But there's something I'm not rooting for. As the powers that shouldn't be attempt to save face and start to pretend that COVID never happened, the criminals must not be allowed to avoid punishment. From the top, Trump, Biden, Fauci, Walensky of the CDC and so on, to the so-called caregivers who stuck to the deadly COVID hospital protocols and thus contributed to killing hundreds of thousands, there is no shortage of guilt to go around. Do not let them distract you with flashy, uninformed inaccurate war propaganda if the psychopaths get off scot free it will make it that much easy for the powers that shouldn't be to continue implementing their world economic forum agenda it transcends political parties it transcends ideology it transcends international allegiances i've spoken on a previous episode a little about the transhumanist agenda very soon i will delve deeper But for this mini episode of sorts, I will instead focus on this. How can we prevent the latest narratives from once again hijacking our everyday lives? And we'll get to that right after this word from our sponsor. Hey, Mickey Z here with a few messages before we get back to the show. I'm asking you to become a paid subscriber to Post Woke. To do so, it's very simple. Just go to mickeyz.substack.com. The link is in the show notes. And there, for just $5 a month, less than 17 cents a day, you can support what I'm doing and get a steady flow of podcasts, articles, and other content, including perks that are available only two paid subscribers. So I thank you in advance for making that commitment. It really makes a difference. In addition, if you'll scroll scroll through the show notes, you'll see that I have a link in there for the project I do to help homeless women in New York City. Your support is most welcome. There's a link in there for a very cool post-woke podcast t-shirt to let people know what your favorite podcast is. And there's also a link in there for my NFT digital art photography. if you're interested in non-fungible tokens as a collectible, please click that link, check it out and maybe maybe buy yourself a collectible work of art. So on that note, thank you again and most importantly, please consider becoming a subscriber at mickeyz.substack.com. And now let's get back to the show. When I was a teenager, my mom had a friend named Gloria who lived in the same building as us. Gloria worked long, long hours in some kind of financial accounting capacity, and she could be rather tight with her money. This, she explained, was due to her looming retirement. Once that blessed day arrived, she promised she'd splurge on vacations, meals, etc. She'd finally have the free time to catch up on all the books and movies and experiences she had missed while working nonstop. Well, Very soon after Gloria retired, we got the news that she had died from a sudden heart attack. This episode made quite an impression on me, even at a young age. It was definitely one of the many, many factors that have led to me living an atypical life. That's atypical life. As time passed, I've been better able to reframe this mindset as not holding your happiness for ransom. This is not to imply that, I always, that I'm always able to adhere to this rule. Far from it. However, it was long ago that it became a guiding principle of mine. I mean, you know the drill. We all know the drill. It's like we're writing ourselves a ransom note. If you ever want to see your happiness again, you must fill in the blank. We'll be happy as soon as we Find the perfect partner, graduate from school, get a raise, lose 10 pounds, get the perfect job, write a book, or as Gloria planned, retire. For the past two years, that ransom note usually began with once the pandemic is over. This postponement of joy, of ecstasy, of satisfaction, of peace of mind, of gratitude, and so on, it is precisely that a postponement. Present moment is being traded for some future promise. We all have to somewhat prepare for the future, of course, but at what cost? How can we be practical yet still reduce the amount of times we hold our personal pleasure for ransom? It may help to accept that life is not about a destination or a finish line, it's a journey, a process. It can only be experienced and lived and felt right now, right here. Life or consciousness rolls on whether we choose to participate in it or not. As John Lennon sang, life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans, or while you're busy scrolling on your device instead of making other plans. To become more available for your life would mean to not postpone the essence of the moment and instead stick your neck out to live that essence. The tricky part of sticking your neck out is, well, You know the rest. At times we're riding high, and other times we're down in the dumps. We have limited control over what happens next, but we almost always can control our reaction to it. We can decide how receptive we are to the beauty and the terror and everything else across the spectrum. Become available for everything because everything is precisely what your life is made up of, and everything can and often will change in a flash. Take home message, life is available only in the present. There is no destination. We don't graduate into the present moment. It's here whether we make ourselves available for it or not. The practice is to embrace the here and the now as often as possible. Risk imperfection and allow yourself to truly live. Don't be like Gloria and countless others who squander their greatest gifts don't hold your joy, your dreams, your love, or your life for ransom. I'll be right back with my story of the week. Most disciplines and ideologies provide students with a teacher, a sensei, a guru, a mentor, a sifu, a guide, or something like that, but life itself has a way of supplying wisdom from some very unexpected sources. I was blessed to have crossed paths with a very unconventional sage, Frank, the ex-cop who served as the overnight security at Manhattan's Ritzius health club. It was my first ever gym job, and for a few years I manned the late shift. Part of my duties was clearing out and closing the gargantuan gym floor. My sonorous sing-song, five minutes, warning, and Jim's closed call became a nightly feature for the regular members. Frank would punch in about 30 minutes before I'd start shutting down the place. He looked, talked, and moved like an ex-cop. Apropos to being two blue-collar guys from the outer boroughs, Frank and I frequently and futilely pondered the comportment of Manhattan's social and financial elite who patronized our place of employment. It was payday when my unexpected lesson arrived. I'd given the gyms close cry and was commiserating with a co-worker named Eddie about our unacceptably meager wages. What are you guys whining about? You're each worth 20 million bucks. Like some kind of old Italian ninja, Frank had magically appeared directly behind us. We countered with retorts like, yeah, don't we wish, and maybe one day. But Frank's facial expression did not change. How old are you, he asked, pointing at me. 25, I replied. And you? Eddie answered, I'm 21. I'm 64, Frank continued, and I'll give either one of you 20 million bucks to trade places with me right now. You get all the money but you have to be my age and I get to be your age. Absolute dead silence. Frank smiled and nodded. Now get out of here and go have some fun. I'll finish closing up. And with that in mind, I'll leave you with some sage advice. Keep your guard up.